Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So as we've already discussed this morning, this week is the launch for our week of prayer for North American missions, which is tied to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And so I wanted to start off this morning by talking a little bit about Annie Armstrong. So Miss Armstrong was born in 1850 in Baltimore, Maryland, and she grew up in a time where there weren't many opportunities for women to be at the forefront of things. But when she gave her life to Christ at age 19 years old, her her devotion to Christ uh, led her to live a life of service and leadership. And so she began to organize women to to pray and to to give and to meet the needs of those around them in their communities. One of the ministries that she's most well known for her, her help in framing the Constitution of is the Women's Missionary Union, or the WMU, which many Baptist churches, including this one, still participate in today. She also began to to challenge pastors and churches to begin to look beyond themselves and and to begin supporting uh, missionaries around the country. Ultimately, she, she was recognized as a Southern Baptist trailblazer, and her influence is still clear. It's very evident in, in Baptist churches across this country today. One of the things she was quoted as saying in her lifetime, she said, what a glorious thing it is to be a co-worker with God in winning the world for Christ. What a glorious thing it is to be a co-worker with God in winning the world for Christ. And as we think about those words, co-worker with God, and as we think about Annie Armstrong's life, I think, I think that's a good description. That is who she was. So we're in this series right now titled Who We Are, and, and we are walking through this series, and we're looking at the different facets of our own mission statement to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And as we think about who God has called us to be, we are a community church with a kingdom mission. And the reason why I love that tagline so much, community church with a kingdom mission, is because while it communicates that, that yes, we are a community of believers, it also communicates that we aren't focused on ourselves that, that we recognize that there is a call on our lives to look beyond ourselves and, and to look out into the community where God has placed us and, and to begin serving and reaching out to this community where God has placed us. It, it, it's a recognition that, that we are on mission, not for the sake of First Baptist Church Stockdale, but we are on mission for the sake of God's kingdom. Because if we are truly a community church with a kingdom mission, then we cannot be focused on ourselves. We are going to be focused on 
on the, the kingdom of God and, and bringing people into that kingdom outside of these walls and in the community beyond. And, and so this was really the challenge that Annie Armstrong began to give to pastors and churches, to look beyond your walls, look out into your community, and even look into the nation where God has placed us, and to begin looking for opportunities to serve and, and to begin seeing where God has placed us, whether we're talking about the community or this nation, to begin seeing it as a mission field that's waiting. And so we are called to, to live not, not simply on mission within these walls. We're called to live with a mission that extends far beyond these walls, a mission that's rooted and grounded in God's word and in, in his kingdom. So let me give you this reminder again that I've been giving you each and every week that I want you to grab hold of. As a church, it is Christ who unites us, and it is a mission rooted and grounded not in our own ideologies, but in his word and in his kingdom that moves us forward in one direction together. And the kingdom mission that, that God has called this church to, that this church has adopted through God's word is to love to grow, to serve, and to go. And so as we think about this quote from Annie Armstrong, that, that she was a co-worker with God in winning the world for Christ, I want you to understand that that is, it's not just what Annie Armstrong was called to be. That's really what God has called all believers to. If you have given your life to Christ, then you are called to be a co-worker with God. We are called to, to work together, to be on mission together, to win this world for Christ. And so that's my, de my desire as your pastor, that as we're walking through this, this mission statement, as, as we grab hold of each of these different facets, that, that we would look out beyond these walls and that we would be on mission in Stockdale, in, in Poth, in all of the surrounding communities, that, that every single person that we come in contact with, that we would be on mission to win them for Christ. And so as we unite under Christ's leadership, we have this, this mission as a church body to be co-workers with God in winning the world for Christ. So far as we've looked at this mission statement, we've, we've talked about our call to love. We've talked about our call to grow. Last week, we began looking at our call to serve, and we're going to continue that on today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 24 through 30 today. Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30. Now, if you remember last week, as we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we, we discussed how our call to serve really begins with unity among the body. Because a church will be most effective in service when its members are walking in unity with one another. A church is going to be most effective in service when its members are walking in unity with one another. Now, this was important for, for Paul to highlight because one of the issues that, that Paul was addressing in his letter to the church in Corinth was this idea that there were somehow 
greater gifts or greater areas of service and, and maybe even lesser gifts and lesser areas of service. It, there was kind of this keeping up with the Joneses mentality. That's what I said last week. Uh, how maybe, maybe I'm looking at my gift and how God is using me to serve. And then I begin looking at your gift and how God is using you to serve. And, and I begin to think that, man, my, my gift, my service is not as good. And, and maybe I begin to feel like I'm not good enough, that, that maybe I'm not as important as you are. So I brought with me this morning this little box printed on the front of it is its name. It's called the useless box. And you can see this little silver switch right here. It's an on-off switch. When I flip it on, a little arm comes out and just turns it back off. Right? That, that's all it does. Uh, you turn it on and it turns itself back off. And so it really lives up to its name. It is a useless box. And this is kind of how the, the people in the church in Corinth might have felt. They saw the gifts that, that some others had. They saw how God was using others to serve. And as they looked at their own gifts and as they looked at how God was using them to serve, they might have felt useless. They might have felt like they really were not necessary but Paul gave a reminder to, to the church in Corinth, it's a reminder for us today as well, that every single member is necessary. Every single member is valuable. There really is no lesser or, or greater gift. There's no lesser or greater level of service when it comes to the body of Christ. Every single member is necessary. Every single member is valuable. So let me just pause and give you this reminder today. God doesn't see you as useless. He sees you as useful for his kingdom. God doesn't see you as useless. He sees you as useful for his kingdom. And if you've given your life to Christ, then God's desire is to use each and every single one of us as a functioning member of the local church. There's no gifting. There's no service that's lesser. There's no gifting. There's no service that's greater, that's more important. Every single member is valuable. Every single member is necessary. So today, as we look at our passage in Luke chapter 22, we are, we're not going to be looking at the local church. Rather, we're going to be looking at the disciples. And, and so the, this, the context of this passage, this is occurring right after the Lord's Supper or the, or the Last Supper with Jesus. Now, next week, we're actually going to go backwards and we're going to look at uh, the Lord's Supper and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as we, as we continue talking about our call to serve. But, but what we're going to see today is that following the Lord's Supper, following this Last Supper with Jesus is, is an argument begins to break out among the disciples over which one of them should be considered the greatest disciple. So while last week Paul was kind of addressing this issue of people feeling like they weren't as important, that their gifts and their areas of service weren't as important, today the, the issue is, is that these individuals were wanting to be seen as greater, as the greatest disciple and so as we look at this passage, I believe that, that we're going to gain a greater understanding for, for what truly makes our lives great as we follow Christ. 
So let's look at this together now. This is Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30. It says, Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It's not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You, uh, you are those who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as we think about this passage, I don't know about you, but many times when I read passages about the, the Pharisees or the, the uh, scribes, I, I'm able to, I, it's, it's a lot easier to stomach those passages because those are the religious hypocrites that Jesus is addressing. And so I can look at those passages and, and, and kind of give myself an out and say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a Pharisee, I'm not a, I'm not a scribe, so I'm not, I'm not one of those religious hypocrites that Jesus is addressing there. But as we look at this passage, what we see is that Jesus isn't addressing an issue with the scribes. He's not ad addressing an issue with the Pharisees. Jesus is addressing an issue with those that are closest to him. Jesus is correcting his disciples. So let me just pause and give you this reminder. Even disciples need correction. Even disciples need correction. If you're a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple, then you need correction at times. I need correction at times. And so this passage should give us pause as followers of Christ and it should remind us that even though, yes, we, we are walking in that relationship with the Lord, that we are his disciples, even though we, we have that, a closer relationship with him in this world because of our relationship with him, that there are still things in our lives that need to be addressed from time to time. There, there are still things in our lives that need to be corrected at times. And so that as we look at this passage, this should cause us to kind of lay our hearts open before the Lord and allow him to examine our heart and to address anything in our life that may not belong. And I believe that as we look at this passage, as we discuss this argument uh, from these disciples over which one of them should be the greatest, that, that God is going to address some things in our own hearts, while also reminding us of this call that we have as a church and as believers to serve. And so as we walk through this passage now, there are two things. If we're going to be effective in service, there are two things that, that, that we see here that we don't need to do. And then there is one thing that we definitely need to do. So first, if we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be distracted. If we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be distracted. What does verse 24 say again? Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. If we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be distracted. Now, I want you to kind of grasp the setting here. 
This is at the table where they have just celebrated that Lord's Supper, that last supper with Jesus. Jesus has just broken the bread and, and passed it around and said, this is my body which has been given for you. And then he, he passed that cup around and he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for you. He's literally just been teaching and preparing the disciples for what was about to come for his upcoming crucifixion. He also, in, in this time, he also tells them that one of them there is going to betray him. And so as we think about the, the events that have just happened at that table, certainly there should be some type of discussion. But, but I would argue that, man, what, what Jesus has just shared with them should cause them to begin praying. That should cause them to begin seeking God's face in that moment for what they're about to go through. But here what we see is that they become distracted and instead of focusing on what was most important, they begin to, to focus on which one of them should be most important. So here they were in the presence of greatness, in the presence of the great I am, and they are distracted. So I don't know about you, but, but I'm a big fan of, of illusionists. When I was a kid especially, anytime there was a magic show on TV, man, I was planted right in front of the TV just, just watching those illusions. Now, when I got into high school, they began to have these, these episodes called The Masked Magician where he would come out and begin revealing all of these, the, the biggest tricks from, from the, the magicians, telling, them, telling everyone how it was done. And, and, of course, one of the biggest tools that an illusionist uses is the art of distraction. Let, let me... Let me get you focused over here while I'm doing this over here. Let me get you distracted so I can do what I really want to do. And I think that this is, this is how the enemy operates in our lives as believers, and this is how the enemy operates in, in churches at times as well, that, that if he can get us distracted, then he can run amok. He can do whatever he wants if we can just be distracted. But also we are distracted from doing what we are truly called to do. We're distracted and, and we're not serving effectively. And I think that if scripture were to include some, some arguments that might uh, arise among modern day disciples, among modern day churches, it, it might sound like these things. Now let me just preface this with, since I've been your pastor here, I have not heard any of these arguments that I'm about to share. So this is not coming from experience from from this church, but I do know that these, these arguments are real arguments that have occurred in churches through the years. So this is what scripture might sound like if, if we had some modern day arguments, right? Then a dispute also arose among them about whether hymns or praise songs were greater. Ouch, right? All right. Then a dispute also arose among them about which paint color for the walls was greater. Right. I have known churches that have split over paint colors. All right. Let me give you this one. Then a dispute also arose among them about which translation of the Bible was greater. And finally, one pastor friend of mine 
in his younger years, earlier years as a pastor, he, he said that uh, in the church he was in, there were two deacons that got into a heated argument over whether the fridge in the fellowship hall needed to have an ice maker or not. <laughs> you see, if we aren't careful, we can allow for those trivial things, those things that really just don't matter to overshadow what God has called us to be. And hear me, we are not called to be a severed church. We are called to be a serving church. Amen. We're not called to be a severed church. We're called to be a serving church. And so let me just pause right here and ask, where is your focus when you walk in those doors and when you walk about, back out of those doors? Is your focus on the things that really just don't matter in the end? Or is your focus on the one that matters most? Is your focus on Jesus Christ? And let me just ask you, let's make a commitment together that we are not going to be distracted by the things that don't matter, but that we are going to keep our focus as a church body and as individuals in this church body, that we're going to keep our focus on Jesus Christ, that we might come together and that we might serve him and that we might serve others effectively. So if we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be distracted Second, if we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be confused. What does verse 25 say again? But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. If we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be confused. You see, there seemed to be some sort of confusion among the disciples about what denotes greatness. And they seem to be kind of arguing over or, or lobbying for some sort of position of greatness. So you've likely heard of the idiom shoe-in, right? This is often referring to someone that has a sure chance of, of winning a contest or, or a position. And so we might actually, we might say that they are a shoe-in if we think that, man, they there's no doubt that they're going to win that contest or they're going to win that position. So that phrase shoe-in, it, it comes from the early 20th century in horse racing. So the jockeys, they would bet on a predetermined outcome, and then all they had to do was just chase or shoe-in the, the horse that they had picked to win. So the disciples, they seem to be lobbying for some sort of position here, this position of greatness. And, and maybe even some of them thought, man, I am a shoe-in for being the greatest disciple. But Jesus reminded the disciples of the kings of the Gentiles who, although they were in a position of power, they were far from great leaders. It's as if Jesus said, let me just clear up any confusion for you. And so he gives them this important truth. A position of power does not produce greatness. A position of power does not produce greatness. There are plenty of people in this world that are in positions of power that are not great leaders. But then on the other hand, there are plenty of people in this world that, that really don't have much power in the position that they're in, and yet they do some extraordinary things. Going back to Annie Armstrong, right? There was not much for women to lead in at that time, and yet she was a trailblazer for Southern Baptists. She didn't have a position of power, and yet she still did some extraordinarily great things. So let me just 
pause right here and, and remind you of this. I gave you this last week. The church is not a place for people to come into power. The church is a place for people to come into submission. We, we are not called to come together to begin lobbying for some sort of position of greatness. We are called to come together and to begin serving Jesus together as we submit to his lordship. We're, we're not here to try and make ourselves great. We're here to focus on the one who truly is great, to, to focus on the Lord and to submit to his leadership together. And as we submit to his leadership, as we submit to his authority, then I believe that we are going to be moved to serve. All right, so if we're going to serve effectively, then we don't need to be distracted. If we're going to serve effectively, we don't need to be confused. Finally, this morning, if we're going to serve effectively, then we do need to be like Jesus. If we're going to serve effectively, then we do need to be like Jesus. What do verses 26 through 27 say again? It's not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. If we want to serve effectively, then we do need to be like Jesus. So Jesus has just reminded the disciples about these leaders that are in, in positions of power, and yet they're just not great leaders. And then he kind of contrasts that by, by giving the example, by describing what a good leader looks like. And he uses himself as... The example he uses the greatest gift possible or the greatest example possible he uses himself now you and I can't do that right if I were to say if you want to see what the greatest pastor looks like just look at me right that comes off as arrogant we we can't use ourselves as examples but really for Jesus there is no greater example Jesus is the the greatest leader he's the king of kings and the lord of lords and so he uses the greatest example possible as he points to himself. But understand, as, as Jesus uses himself as the example for what greatness looks like, and, and as he uses himself for the example of what service looks like, it was more than just words for Jesus. It was backed up with action. So let me pause right here and just say this. Let's not be a people of words. Let's be a people of action. As we think about who God has called us to be at First Baptist Church Stockdale, let's not just be a people of words. Let's be a people of action. And so if we say that God has called us to be a people to serve, then let's be a people that serve. Let's be a people of action. Now, the action that the disciples had, had just witnessed and the example that we're going to look at more closely next week is that Jesus gets up from the table and he wraps a towel around his waist to begin washing the disciples' feet. He, he takes on the form of a servant. And so in that action, Jesus is showing the disciples a truth that he, he says in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' example of service was more than just words. It was action. And so Jesus, he lived on this earth modeling 
this life of service for the disciples, for all to see, and for us to see as we look back at that. He, he modeled this life of service, and then he took it to the next step of ultimate service when he went to the cross to give his life as a ransom for many. So we live in a very self-centered, self-driven culture. We might even call it the selfie generation as we turn that camera around ourselves and we make ourselves look good, right? But Jesus' example of service and, and, and his example of sacrifice is an invitation for us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to begin looking out towards others. It's, a, it's an invitation for us to begin serving others. So let me just teach you five powerful words today. Five powerful words. I believe that these five powerful words are just as powerful as those three words, I love you. You can begin using these words this week. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? All right? I know this is a powerful word. Just ask my five powerful words. Ask my wife, right? Husbands, ask your wife that today. How can I serve you? You'll find out just how powerful those words are. All right. How can I serve you? Listen, you don't have to be in a position of power to do great things. You can begin doing great things even today as you simply begin serving others. All we need to do is just look to the example that Jesus Christ set for us. And we need to begin being like him. And here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, we are committed to taking our eyes off of ourselves. We are committed to looking to the example of Jesus. And we are committed to serving others because this is who we are. Now, before you can truly begin being like Jesus, before you can truly begin serving Jesus, first, you need to submit to Jesus. You need to allow Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And so if you've never done that, then I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song, and that song is going to be your opportunity to respond today. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ, I've never allowed for him to be the Lord of my life, then I want you to hear this. Jesus served you in the greatest way possible when he went to the cross and gave his life for your sins and mine. It's something that we couldn't do on our own. And so he came into this world to serve us as he sacrificed his life for us. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And today, if you will call out to him, turning from your sins, allowing him to be the Lord of your life, you will be saved. And so if you need to give your life to the Lord today, it's something you've never done, but you want to do that today, then I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front as we sing. Step out of your seat. Kind of forget everybody else that's in here and just focus on the Lord and respond to him today. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. Today can be the day of your salvation. And maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but, but maybe if you're just honest with yourself, you've been distracted by some other things instead of truly focusing on Jesus. Or maybe you would say, man, I've been confused and I've been thinking I need to be in some type of position of power when really all you need to do is just be like Jesus and begin serving others. If that's you, then you can get that right where you're at. You can talk with the Lord right where you're at, but 
If you need someone to pray with you, then I'd be happy to do that. You can respond as well. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step to be baptized, to, to make my faith in, in Christ public through baptism. I'd love to make that commitment with you today. We've been baptizing several people since the start of the year. And so maybe you're next. Maybe you're the next one that, that makes their faith public. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can make that commitment together today. Finally, you might be here today and you, you might say, I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I've given my life to Christ and, and I've already been baptized by immersion and I know that as we've been talking about who this church is and our mission statement, I know that God is calling me to join my life with this church body. I want to become a member, a functioning member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, and today you can become a member here at this church. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you and have a great week.